Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Yes, that's right. ESSR Features is looking for some hot stuff, and I am that hot stuff. I've been gone a while for this bit, but Jack Graham's back. He left Saturday Draft Live for one night only, and he's doing the feature show on WWE Draft. Welcome, everyone. As always, you're listening to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, wherever you get all your good podcasts and stuff. We are bloody well on it, so go check us out. We've got our Facebook Suplex Retweet the community page as well. We post in there all the time. Just a bit show updates, get you involved in all the different stuff and that. So please go join and just get chatting everything about wrestling. Got our Twitter and Instagram suplex retweet. Uh, we have our YouTube channel, which we have many shows such as the Conspiracy Theory and Quiz Showdown, in which there'll be one next week. We'll maybe talk about that in a wee minute when we introduce our panel. But here is our panel. First up, he will be, if it was in regards to the draft, to me, he deserves to go to the biggest network. He will be Fox's standout, pretty much the Roman Reigns. He is my Saturday Draft Live co-host as David Hockney. David, thanks for joining me here, my friend. I listen, if there's anything draft related, you know, you can always count on your Saturday Draft Live co-host. But I will uh, say, if you're calling me Roman Reigns of this draft here, uh, you w- you must refer to me as the Tribal Chief. Hey, fuck off. Right, next. <laughs> Next, uh, he is essentially the flagship of ESSR. He will be here for all the time. He's been here since day one, I think. But as I said, he is the flagship, the flagship of ESSR. Gary Kerrigan, welcome to the draft show, my friend. Oh, thank you very much. Pleased to be drafted in uh, to this fantastic lineup um, tonight. I'm looking forward to talking about the draft. I remember the first draft of WWE and how excited I was then when Raw and SmackDown got split. Finally, got watered down for a bit in a few years, but it's back and it means business. Ah yes, and our, our final our final panellist, it was a, it was a bit of a late come unfortunately. It couldn't be done on actually the, the TV shows of Raw Smackdown, it was done in the kind of supplementary draft. It would be me doing a few matches on main event after calling himself the main event recently. It is the... Go, quotation marks, David Campbell. Thanks for coming in, my friend. I'm the ESSR champion, David Campbell, and that's good to see. And I'm the main event, Jack, and what I am is a fighting champion, fighting Scott McLeod, uh, trying to fight those bargain bin Garganos that call themselves Stephen and Laura, who keep ducking me at every turn. Um, but I'm, I'm a champion who also does the press and steps in when needed, so that is why I'm here today. to fill a void for you people and Jack Graham. You are welcome. Hi, 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 thanks. And uh, I was also I was plugging some of the stuff in your on YouTube, in which you've pretty much got a lockdown with your conspiracy theory. Obviously, did the live <laughs> show about uh, draft night one, but I think there's something more important coming up next Sunday uh, regarding quiz showdown four. There is. It's a uh, it's a uh, quiz showdown goes Hollywood because why wouldn't it? When I'm involved, it's me <laughs> versus Scott McLeod uh, at a movie trivia. 30-minute Ironman match, whoever answers. There's no gimmicks. I told Daniel this. You have all these fun rounds. I don't want any fun. This is serious. This is movie trivia. This is to settle the score. So 30 minutes, whoever answers the most correct questions wins. It's as simple as that. Myself versus Scott McLeod. And Scott McLeod is getting a taste of the main event when he comes up against me. Oh, I, I hope that the result is favourable to Scott McLeod. But I will say thank you, David Cameron. I don't say that much, but thank you. for <laughs> You've drafted in last minute to come and do this show. And I, I greatly appreciate you being here. The Mickey James of this show, no longer a free agent, unlike Herbert. <laughs> <laughs> we do not say Mickey James' name in vain in front of me. So... <laughs> 
Uh, we'll carry on as we were talking about. We're going to be talking about WWE's draft. We'll be going over why you like the draft, our favourite moments. We'll talk about reviewing last year's draft and then we'll also review night one and speculate what's going to happen in night two of WWE Draft 2020. But Gary, you said yourself, you have seen the very first draft. You remember getting all excited for the split. What what gathered that excitement for you to begin with when you heard the draft was going to be happening? Yeah, so it was back in back in two thousand and two, uh, Pennsylvania State College. The reason I remember that is I visited State College uh, a few years ago. Um, Ric Flair had returned um, at the Survivor Series after the Alliance had uh, been defeated and vanquished, and uh, McMahon and Flair struggled to coexist as the co-owners of WWE. So they decided to split the show. And Raw was going to and Raw was going to be distinct from SmackDown. And at that time, uh, well, before that, we had had the Monday Night Raws wars, where we'd had WCW and WWF, and we'd had two distinct shows. SmackDown was uh, was still exciting, but it was you know you seen the same people, and we were in this period now of some of the superstars becoming overexposed. So I was excited about that, and it was just something different. It was you know this fantasy football element to it. Where are people going to go? What's it going to look like? Who would you pick? Why would you pick Clone? Who's going to be first round pick? And then Vince got t- first pick for SmackDown. He got ten picks. Ric Flair got ten picks for Raw. So it was just fascinating to see where where they were going to be and what they were going to do with it. So that was just that was just new and exciting. Ah, it's, just, it's it's one of those things that like especially this was maybe this was happening when I was watching it at a young age and you kind of you get the kind of close personal attachment to like some some wrestlers and you wonder what happens like what that move to a different show means from like a Raw to a SmackDown. Dave, see when you were watching this, did you have any like kind of childhood heroes so to speak that made like a kind of a shock move that kind of made you think, oh God, what's going to happen next? Yeah, that, that's kind of what I really enjoy about the draft is it's the unpredictability factor because obviously, you know, in a company such as WWE, you've got stars that are bigger than others. So some are going to be runaway draft picks or early draft picks. So you know where they're probably going to go. But what I think can catch a lot of people off guard is either a left field pick where, you know, they try and invest in a future superstar. And I think that's what I like the most about it is that when you see somebody you don't expect to be drafted, you think, okay, maybe maybe this is a new direction for them or, you know, maybe they could be in line for something big. So it's the, the anticipation to see, you know, like not just on who the big top picks are going to be, but more you want to look towards the mid card about and see who's going to be, uh, you know, yeah, picking up steam from there. Absolutely, and that first draft, Dave, um, you seen McMahon and Flair arguing over who was going to get to pick Brock Lesnar when McMahon tried to go first. We've seen Chris Benoit, who'd been out injured for about a year at that point, mm-hmm. I think, get drafted quite early on by McMahon, and people didn't expect that. So that was uh, interesting. And then we've seen the Dudley boys get separated. When and I think that's something that that draft had, that this one that we've just seen the first part of didn't. And we had a show talking all about authority figures, well we had faceless authority figures in this time but we had McMahon and Rip Flair then and then different characters over the years where you had that competition about it, well you're going to pick Bubba Ray Dudley, well just out of spite I'm taking spite, sorry, I'm taking Devon Dudley mm-hmm. I, I, David Campbell as well obviously, 
We've seen the draft format change quite a lot over the years. We've seen it with like a Timbala going. We've seen it go to the superstar shakeup. We've seen a, a moving screen in the Titan Tron where it just randomly generates the, the superstar. What's, what, what's yours kind of thoughts with the draft in general? Does it, do you have a close attachment to kind of beings of what the draft is? Yeah, it, well, I think with the draft, and you brought it up there, there's different ways that it's been done. But Gary alluded to it with the fantasy football element comment. The draft is at its best when that competitive element between the brands is alive and well because the draft should be like two rival companies and two rival promotions going up against each other it should feel venomous in a way it should feel competitive there should be an air of oh like excitement around it you look at um gary's talked about vince and rick flair you, you can talk about um Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman when they were running Raw and SmackDown you can talk about that dynamic you can go back to 2016 with Shane and Stephanie and, and Brian and Mick Foley on either side I think the draft is it's the most exciting when it's got that dynamic but apart from that it's good when things get stale because I think especially this year things had got gotten stale more so on Raw with we're seeing the storylines repeating themselves in the same matches over and over again so while I prefer that element, any draft is welcome when a shake-up is needed in the land of WWE. I 100% it's, it's kind of what I like about the draft the most is that it allows that kind of soft reset so to speak. It allows things to pick up and go again and get new storylines or even revisit kind of old storylines but tell it in a different way. I think when it comes to the draft, the things that will always stand up in my head the most is my kind of first experience and that was when we had Chris Jericho announcing John Cena as the first draft pick for Monday Night Raw, and that's that was the kind of point that like John Cena had the rocket and was like shot up to the moon. Uh, Dave Hockney, what's what's your favourite draft moment of all time? Well, you plucked one right out of thin air. I think that was uh, the John Cena Chris Jericho moment was probably one of the most iconic moments. But the thing about the the draft from two thousand and five was it was only it was like uh, it was like one pick per show over the course of four weeks. So it wasn't like the whole roster was getting drafted, you know, it was uh, like each show gets one pick from the opposite brand and that would occur over the space of, of a month. But my one of my favorite moments actually that occurred was at the very end of this draft when SmackDown, uh, by that point, obviously, as you said, John Cena was drafted to Raw, but they, so they were left without a champion. They had this big six person elimination match to crown a SmackDown champion and we never saw the championship either. So you never knew what to expect from it. And then, it's announced that Batista, who was World Heavyweight Champion at the time, gets drafted as the final pick. And the whole arena just erupts uh, with cheers and stuff. And that, to me, was probably one of the biggest draft moments uh, that, I've, that I've witnessed personally. I think it was the, the, the biggest shift in like WWE change of how they want to go programming wise as well. Like, kinda, going into this kind of PG era, so to speak, and having John Cena be the face of that. David, David Campbell, what's, do you agree uh, with that being like one of the greatest moments, or are you...? Totally, totally. And it comes down to the surprise of it. The best draft picks are the ones that shock you in a way. Sometimes that can go the other way. We'll talk about that a bit later on. I think with this most recent draft, I think people know what I'm talking <laughs> about. There's some bad surprises as well, but look at Finn Balor being drafted in the first round of 2016. That was a moment that made the crowds pop inside the arena. And one that I shouldn't find funny, but I find really funny is that it was a surprise to the people involved, involved themselves. 2008, when uh, JR <laughs> got drafted <laughs> to SmackDown and Cole got drafted to Raw. 
and Cole gets drafted first and JR just gets up and you can hear him say I guess I'm out of a job <laughs> he starts to walk away Aye. and so much so JR released a statement on his blog the next day uh, these are direct quotes I'm not happy about this surprise development I contemplated calling at a career Monday night and not going to Houston to take, take Smackdown and instead goes on to say how his wife had to talk him out of it like he was not a happy buddy so that I wouldn't advise doing that to your employees but did it make for good television I'll let you be the judge of that one I think that's one of the things that uh, we can really talk about with the draft Gary as well is that for obviously for the, the heads of WWE and the writers it's all predetermined and know exactly what's going to happen but to the actual wrestlers themselves and like commentators for example they don't really have a clue until it actually happens on the telly so there is that surprise that like, they, might, they might just not be happy and it might be hard for them to show the kind of happiness or how the reaction in general of how to go about on their new show but like does that play a factor in what would be your favourite moment of the draft or is there something just more relatable or different for you? Yeah I mean it's hard to believe when you say that you have a, a scripted show and these characters are part of it that they are kept out of it people wouldn't people outside of the business wouldn't believe you but that is <laughs> it's absolutely true they don't know so that reaction you've seen with jr was somebody just living out that he has his dream job it's been changed for him he's been demoted as he seen it live on air he now can't travel with his partner his routines now all been changed um so he, what we've seen was that coming out and would it have been that difficult to tell him in advance Probably not, but would you have got the, the reaction? No, you'd have got a very different reaction. Uh, you might have you'd have got all that behind the scenes, I'm sure. So that reaction was great. I think the guys um, preempted uh, David Campbell. It's like we're on the same wavelength, David, because I was going to talk about the uh, the NXT inclusion in 2016. I think that draft was probably one of the most successful ones when it came to splitting the shows and going off to have their own personalities and then they fucked it all up a year later with the fucking superstar shake-up. <laughs> what a pile of shit that is. <laughs> um, but the NXT inclusion and the, the tactical part you could see getting played out there with them thinking with them saying right we can take six picks you know the rules included six picks from nxt and the rules this time round weren't that clear other than the the, the standard rule that the miz has to be drafted because he gets drafted every year <laughs> uh, so you love that i love that bit when you see mick and stephanie right we're going to play the card we're going to go for it we're going to take finn balor as a first round draft pick nobody would expect that and then other ones american alpha getting brought in uh, I thought was was a great move there, and that tactical part of it uh, was great to see played out. Which in this year's draft, I think was lost completely because there's no way you draft Dana Brooke ahead of Mr. Money in the Bank. Exactly, and I, I do think also you go back to that draft. One thing I think they failed to do on night one of this draft, and I know we'll get into it more, is bolster the women's division because you look at what they did with the NXT picks in the 2016 draft. Alexa Bliss and Carmella both called up to SmackDown in that draft and became part of like the pseudo-female SmackDown 6 of that 2016 era that built that SmackDown women's division and Nia Jax became a, a character on Raw um, whether match quality followed I, I'm not one to say I'm a nice guy uh, but I think that especially now I would like to see a night to them following on from that 2016 get some of the NXT girls up to Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown uh, coming up I think the thing is, though, that the, with this, how successful that draft was, particularly with the NXT call-ups to SmackDown, Alex Bliss and Carmella, obviously, Carmella was the very last draft pick 
and she's went on to do like amazing things. She's been Miss Money in the Bank. She's won this Smackdown Women's Title. So she's always a prominent figure in WWE. Now she's going to be this glamorous one, untouchable Carmella, eh, falling on for the, the draft this year as well. But as you said, the pseudo Smackdown Six, the draft, the draft went so well for that. Smackdown is able to eclipse Raw in the ratings. And then it seemed from that moment, it just went completely downhill. So it's like, no matter what happens with, the, with this draft, there's always some narrative that they can't have the B show beating the A show. Obviously, that might change a bit now with Fox being at the helm, as we'll talk about uh, right now, actually, pretty much with the 2019 draft. <laughs> uh, I'll come to you, Dave, because you were on the, uh, the Fox show last week with mm-hmm. Brian Gallagher and Ross McLeod. Yep. It was always kind of heavily rumoured that Fox had a bit of a a bit of a hand in with how they wanted the draft to go with folk they wanted to take and they were having negotiations with uh, WWE, i.e. about trying to take Brock Lesnar. But WWE went a kind of different way and told them to take the Fiend. Was that a bit of a surprise for you at the time? Uh, honestly, not really, because the Fiend was one of those characters that really just captivated the audience in such a short space of time. Having appeared only two months prior at SummerSlam and, you know, literally just hypnotizing the entire audience into just becoming immersed with this character. I mean, Gary, you were obviously one of those people having seen The Fiend live and stuff. So it actually didn't surprise me that, you know, The Fiend was was picked ahead of Brock Lesnar, but I could see like why they did it, even though, you know, the Fox network has been clamoring, you know, for some legitimacy in, in WWE and, you know, who better to give it a bit more legitimacy than Brock Lesnar. But honestly, I think had they let The Fiend not get selected in round one, I think that would have been a big missed opportunity for SmackDown. I think that, uh, especially with, as, as you said, The Fiend got drafted to SmackDown and Brock Lesnar did initially, and I think this caused a lot of worry with how they were going to treat The Fiend character because the Universal Championship was still going to be in Raw at that point with Seth Rollins and they would have had the Saudi Arabia match coming up and then both belts were on SmackDown and right, we will argue that The Fiend was a winner coming out of that 2019 draft but Gary, I'll come to you, a loser probably even though he won the WWE Championship off of Kofi Kingston moved back to Raw two weeks later pretty much Brock Lesnar yeah, I, mean, I don't like stuff like that, and we've seen WWE do it over the course of the years. Um, so we had that one with Brock Lesnar. I don't understand why. I mean, from storyline point of view, it was he does what he wants to do, but that's that's weak. Um, we've seen it as well with WWE did the draft. I forget what year it was, and then they realised oh that their partners and are on the other shows. So suddenly Charlotte and Andrade end up being. I can't remember what way round they went. They ended up on the same show, the same with Alistair Black and Vega. We've seen it one year, where it was um, where uh, 2004, when Triple H was drafted in Raw uh, to SmackDown, and then SmackDown opens up Triple H's music, and Kurt Angle, the new general manager, walks out and then announces that he's traded Triple H back to Raw and got for him Booker T and the Dudley Boys. Um, and then there was the year t- 2011 when Cena was drafted twice. I don't know why. Why swerve the audience? Um, Aye. But when you look at that year, Jack, uh, when uh, last year's draft, I mean SmackDown had Roman Reigns. They got Bray Wyatt. 
they had Braun Strowman and then if you throw in Brock Lesnar into that mix as well that's quite a lot of top tier main event Universal WWE Championship chasers that's and there's not that many of other folk that would fit into that category with them you would have Seth Rollins maybe and the rest Daniel Bryan who of course was on Smackdown um, coming back there but they they really sort of at that point they were a step above everybody else so I think it made sense that you have to shift them back did they put Brock, Brock on it looks like they just put Brock on there to pop the ratings on the first night to do the title switches as you discussed and give us the Cain Velasquez story which went absolutely nowhere <laughs> uh, yeah, it, all just went, it all just went downhill you know when trying to get Brock to smack down and then he just jumped back ship over again yeah I don't like stuff like that we've seen it this year what was the point in having Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose move to Raw two uh, weeks two mm. weeks before the draft yeah they could have just waited just wait two weeks I, I, I would have played better to the to the storyline but there's something I want to pick you up on that you said I've got David Campbell you said that a lot of the main eventers for the WWE title Universal title went along to Smackdown so you could argue that Ronnie needed to create a new main eventer and they did that and their first round pick with Drew McIntyre eh, David Campbell this was I, I wouldn't say I was surprised but this was clearly a telling point of big things were going to come and arguably the start of a kind of a face-ish kind of tweener turn for them when they're talking about the lead up to the Royal Rumble. Yeah, and they do this, they do this well to their credit. They use the draft as a way to sort of put certain guys over and the, the Drew's status as a first round draft pick for Raw certainly helped him get over in terms of legitimacy in the eyes of the fans because it was sort of stop start for a while when he came back to the main roster. The, the tag team with Dolph was was okay. The feud with the Shield seemed to go on for far too long. Tag matches, matches against Roman and it was all quite good but it wasn't there, you know, so when he was a first round draft pick, I actually was surprised to be honest with you, Jack, eh, to see him in that position, but I think it paid him dividends and it did help start that build to proper main event championship status for Drew McIntyre but look at the other guys they got like Randy Orton uh, was their first pick in the second round, who's still feuding with Drew to this day um, you have Lashley, who's finally paying dividends uh, for them as part of the heart business, so yeah. Raw, while on the night, you can say that it might have been a bit poorer on paper. They've certainly done well in helping the, this talent that they managed to curate in the 2019 draft grow into stars that they've built their brand around. Uh, one talent that didn't need to grow, Hockney at the time though, uh, the Raw Women's Champion, Becky Lynch. She was the very first pick. I believe it was the very first women's pick of any draft history, Becky Lynch. Mm-hmm. This was no real surprise, but one that the fans appreciated a lot. This absolutely deserved that she was the number one pick, regardless of what night or show she was going to go to. Yeah, no two ways about it. Like Becky Lynch has been the number one superstar, male or female, uh, in WWE for for quite some time. Probably since SummerSlam 2018. That's when her stock just skyrocketed and. You know, c- consider everything she's accomplished uh, throughout that time frame. You know, she's won, she's regained the SmackDown Women's Championship. She won the Royal Rumble. She main evented WrestleMania, walked out with both championships. And now she's been selected as the first round pick, having been sort of uh, living the man gimmick for, you know, best part of a year and a half. Becky Lynch has been one of those people who has just like broken ground 
when it comes to draft selections because it's always like a male dominated industry and for a female wrestler to be picked as the number one draft in in a company as big as WWE that that basically solidifies Becky Lynch as the hottest commodity in WWE 100% Gary are you, are you the same opinion that Becky Lynch on, on the night of the draft was beginning in 2019 she was always going to be the number one draft pick yeah, absolutely. And just the week before it, when you looked at um, SmackDown and Fox, the the rub, the focus, the spotlight that Becky was given on that show in the ring with The Rock, she was one of the hottest things in the business. When you look at the pots as well, which was something that came in in 2019, the drafting pool, sorry. When you look at that pool, um, you know, it says a lot for Becky that she was deemed, and rightly so, to be uh, higher ranking than Roman Reigns, than The Fiend, than Drew, than Randy Orton. Uh, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's real credit and, and richly deserved. I will say though, on the, I, I was going to bring this up at some point, I, the only way I can put this is I fucking despise the pools. I hate them. I genuinely hate them. They should be on one night because we're talking about Becky Lynch. Yes, first uh, first female, first draft pick in history. Great, but there's an asterisk next to it, isn't there? Because she wasn't really. Like, Seth Rollins was also the number one draft pick for that year. You know, so it's one of those ones where it does cheapen it a wee bit because you're like, who was first round? Like, you've got 10 first rounders. That doesn't make any sense to me, you know? And I do prefer it when it's over the one night because the tactics to that are completely different. It just, for me, it cheapens it. We're going to have to wait uh, with this year. We got Friday night and SmackDown, great. Now we're going to have to wait Monday to Raw. And I don't know if it's just me, but the Raw one feels that you've actually blown your load too quickly on SmackDown. And there's not many people that I'm really, A, sort of concerned about <laughs> moving on Raw this Monday and B, I actually care about or find unpredictable. I just, I don't think the pools is a good concept at all, to be honest with you. Uh, and, no, uh, blowing your load is something that we never want to do too early here in the SSR. <laughs> we like to Absolutely. give it a one night thing and not have it go on. <laughs> I mean, in all fairness, in the draft night, you can be a bit nervous. Wait, you say we don't perform on a draft night, Dave? Oh no, we always perform, but just, um, <laughs> you know, you never know, uh, you just might fall flat in your face. Oh. Do you do that often? <laughs> no comment. What a mess that would be. <laughs> so uh, we, we, we spoke about some of the kind of winners that have came out for this draft. Um, Gary, I'll, I'll come to you. Do you have any kind of notable losers, so to speak? Uh, wrestlers that kind of maybe didn't benefit from being drafted at all or even sticking to the kind of same show? From... 2019 or yeah. 2020, sorry, draft. 2019. There's a couple of losers amongst there. There's a couple of ones. Um, there's some people that got drafted and then just done nothing with them. AC, EC3 and Eric Young, for example, uh, frustrated me. Um, Drake Maverick was moved from a fairly decent spot as the general manager of 205 Live to, you know, nobody and, and nobody in SmackDown there. Um, I think the same with Drew Gulak as well, who had um, you know started to earn some stripes in 205 Live and NXT on to SmackDown, did nothing there. And one of the ones I wanted to talk about, though, was Ricochet, because he was in NXT when he came on to the main roster, one of the hottest things around. He was a number eight draft pick in 2019. 
Uh, so second, second round, yeah, second round draft pick. Yep, and even uh, even this year, I think has a fairly high spot in the drafting. A th- first pick in the third round, so eight, so eight. Uh, sorry, 11, so 8 last year, 11th pick this year. But he's very much had a year of two halves. He had some decent stuff on earlier this year, with, um, sorry, earlier last year with um, United States Championship. Nearly after SummerSlam, after he lost, I didn't really do a great deal. Floated about on main event, had a makeshift tag team with Cedric. Um, changed his tights, had a short run, you know, was in this little feud with the Hurt business just now. I thought he was somebody that could have benefited from the fresh coat of pain that um, that the draft can give. Um, so I think he had a, a, a year of two halves and ultimately I would judge 2019 as probably one of the I would probably put him in the pool of the losers for the year in the sense that I think he's incredible and has got loads of talent and I don't think we've seen anywhere near that. Yeah. I couldn't have told you he was United States champion. Honestly, <laughs> that. you brought that up there. I was like, was he? And even thinking about yeah. it for like the last two minutes, cannot remember. It wasn't I, that, it wasn't that was memorable, Rain. It was somewhere between Samoa Joe and AJ Styles. He lost it to AJ at uh, well he lost, I can't remember if he was the champion going into SummerSlam now, but he certainly fought in the United States Championship match at SummerSlam against AJ and was defeated. He came with a Nightwing, is it, attire, mm-hmm. yep. which must have, been a, attire. must have been a sweat fest in that. <laughs> Why on earth would he wear a full bodysuit uh, to compete in, in the middle of summer? Never mind that, he had a... He was wearing a full body outfit in Saudi Arabia for Super Showdown. Like, holy crap! He must have must have been like must have been like a wetsuit afterwards. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I agree. Ricochet, you know, he's had a very up and down year, and I think his uh, his performance on the roster for the last sort of year or so hasn't quite been reflective of the way he's been positioned in this draft. Because when he's been picked in round two and as the number one in round three, you would think you know maybe they've got big big plans for him big uh big storylines for him but as far as i can remember all the way back he hasn't really done a lot since he lost to brock lesnar in showdown so yeah it's just hard to imagine seeing ricochet as a top pick when he hasn't been booked as such and you've got to look at someone else i think who is in the same ricochet boat of a constant deterioration throughout his time of being drafted Drafted in the first round last year, t- 2019, Andrade. Look at Andrade's right. first round draft. It came from SmackDown. Great feuds with Rey Mysterio. All the promise in the world. Went to Monday Night Raw with Selena Vega. Got bogged down in the United States title scene. Got bogged down in the Raw Tag Team title scene, which is a graveyard uh, shift, uh, as I put it right in these days. The tag team thing with, uh, with uh, Angel Garza dragged on far too long and you look at where he was in the last year's draft to this year's draft Andrade has lost all his stock that he had and it's a shame because I think I've had conversations with Gary about Andrade many times Andrade in NXT that guy you thought was going to be the next megastar a guaranteed world champion and now at this very point in time there is a question mark around that and it's because of what's happened since last year's draft leading up to today. One of the folk I wanted to pull up from the draft last year that was in a surprisingly low position was The Miz, 
who was drafted in the fifth round last year. Jinder Mahal and R-Truth were drafted ahead of him. <laughs> um, That's a uh, man. That's madness. Uh, I mean, Rey Mysterio was was drafted in the sixth round last year, pick number 26. Only behind him were Shorty Gable, Titus O'Neil, Elias and Liv Morgan, which wow. is which is pretty crazy um, along the way. But the the Miz, I think, has gone on to have oh, a bit of a... F- I, I think in terms of his career, and we've covered the Miz's career on this podcast before, I think 2020 is a bit of a forgettable... 2019-20 is a bit of a forgettable year for the Miz. I don't think he's achieved as much as he, he could be. And we've, we've talked before on the show that, that WWE missed the boat with the Miz, that he yeah. he could and should be. I think he's talented enough, certainly good enough on the mic to be challenging at the upper end of the card. It's only kind of involvement I can kind of think of the Miz from 2019 was when he was kind of a, a placeholder uh, when The Fiend was getting built up to take on Daniel Bryan. And then it was a kind of the funhouse Bray faced uh, Miz at TLC, I think. Yep, yeah. you'll, you'll be padding Bray Wyatt. Yeah, and then uh, it was for that point you got John Morrison back. That's that's the only kind of memorable thing I can mind of the Miz for 2019. Yeah, I think a lot of what the Miz did in 2019, it's mainly been revolved around, you know, he, he was signed up to be a host of multiple reality shows. Uh, he was doing Cannonball in the last year, and he's also had uh, two seasons of Miz and Misses. So I think his his time has been spent more focusing on his, his new shows and stuff because he, he's just turned 40 this week as well. So he's uh, age is starting to catch up with him a bit. But do you know who I think actually is the biggest loser from 2019's draft? And it's not an individual superstar. I'm actually saying the biggest loser of the 2019 draft is WWE themselves. Because they oh. shot them they shot themselves in the foot with how they did the, the first night of drafting. When they picked Alexa Bliss as the first pick of round three, and then Nikki Cross in round four, only to then in the supplementary trades, uh like the post-draft trades, they drafted them from Raw to SmackDown as a tag team. So why on earth would you pick them as two individual picks when you could have just picked them as a tag team to begin with? Like, it's like they wasted a draft pick like from rounds three and four, which could have been prioritized, uh, you know, by like, you know, Gary said, Rey Mysterio was already in round six. He could have been around, like, he could have been around three pick or The Miz could have been around three pick. So. I think WWE made themselves look like complete mugs having drafted Alexa and Nikki separately only to then draft them as a tag team later on. It's a, it was a, that was one that I was gonna kind of wanting to bring up as well. They, they, they were drafted individually and then they got drafted back to the show they were on or vice versa through the supplementary trade. It's a big, it's a big slap in the face to the fans. I'd say it's like, oh no, it doesn't matter what we put out anyway, we're going to make up our own decisions I think they were regardless. Both- they were both on Raw originally, so they stuck on Raw, but then all of a sudden, boof, over to SmackDown. Right. And that's where it doesn't make any sense. Like, I mentioned the Dudley boys in the first draft getting broke up. Teams weren't draftable together unless they were the tag team champions then. So if you wanted the Dudley boys as a team, you had to use two draft picks to get them, and you couldn't, in that instance, you couldn't, Rick Flair couldn't do that because McMahon was being competitive with them. And follow that logic through, so you get a limited amount of picks, so this year somebody drafts the Hurt Business, you get four superstars for it. Mm-hmm. So why later yeah. on in the draft would you, 
when Lutcher House Party were available as a trio, why would you only, why would you use one yeah. draft pick to get one superstar? Yeah. I don't understand the logic of it. And the same yeah, it makes no storyline sense. With the Alexa and Nikki Cross uh, thing especially, that logic really annoyed me. Like it said, they were traded to SmackDown for future draft pick considerations. What the fuck does that mean? At least when uh, AJ Styles got traded to Raw, it was for Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode. You know what I mean? There's a, yeah. a tangible trade I can be like, right, I can get behind that. I understand these things happened in business, but I like that, boom, bah, bah, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> fucking future draft pick consideration. I give me Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, and we'll see what we can do for you later. If I'm, if I'm fucking the USA Network and Fox are saying that to me, I have to be the biggest idiot in the world to accept that deal. <laughs> it was oh, it is very annoying. But I think we've we've covered the 2019 draft enough before we actually just kind of just start going off our heads and just forget we're actually doing our show here. <laughs> but uh, David Campbell, we'll come to you and we'll review night one of the draft 2020. You have your YouTube show, the Conspiracy Theory, and you went yep. live for the first time with it, and you're on yep. the community page and you're on your YouTube page and you're speculating where picks might go certain ways come night one. How would you fare? Was that was it just a, just a general sense? Did you do all right? I did well at the top end of it. I got the first seven picks right, if not out of order, where I thought, I thought Sasha Banks would have been uh, drafted a bit higher. Um, but they decided to try and get the heart business over a wee bit more uh, with that one, which was, which was good and obviously uh, AJ Styles and Rollins, I thought they might have been drafted a bit further down than they were. But I was quite good until we got to the likes of Naomi and Bianca Belair. Uh, I got those two mixed up and then a lot of your mid-carders further down. Um, I had a bit confused as well, but there were a lot of things that I didn't see coming from it. I think the biggest thing to talk about, and Gary alluded to it there, is tag team breakups with the draft. It's fine when you have that one person, one pick rule. But when it comes to like the logic of it, it makes no sense. And it makes no sense to me breaking up. The biggest story to come out of the draft 2020 is the breakup of the nudie. And for me, this is a huge mistake. Because for one, I don't think they should be broken up. You can have Big Ego in a single run while on the same brand as Nudie, while still a member of the nudie. But for two, if you're going to break them up, have some sort of blowout, have some sort of feud, have some sort of reason for it beyond this draft. Because all you've done is make the fans resent you. All WWE's done is make the fans resent them. Like they've just put out a tweet in their Twitter. They've released a tweet saying hashtag thank you Nudie. Thank you Nudie. Fuck you WWE is what I've hashtag. You know, like honest to Lord man. And Biggie will go in a solo run, predict that to the high heavens. But Kofi and Xavier as a tag team on their own, I don't know how long that can last. Because there's always going to be that elephant in the room. There's always going to be that secret sauce missing. So I think that's the biggest mistake come out of it. Everything else, I was actually fairly happy with. Yeah, it was interesting in that one, David, is they were drafted as the SmackDown Tag Team Champions yeah. to Raw. So what does that mean for the Tag Team Championships? They will become Raw Tag Team Champions, I think. Yeah, and are you just going to switch it, switch it around, draft the, draft the Street yeah. Profits to SmackDown and then just change the titles? Or will they unify the titles and the mm. Tag Championships will become like the Women's Tag Team Championships and the champions can appear? I think it goes back to what you were saying about couples. Um, Belair on SmackDown, Montez Ford will come over to SmackDown with her. So I think they'll do the straight swap due to that reason. Oh, uh, see, I actually forgot about that. The and even though you had mentioned it before with like Andrade and Charlotte and you know Alistair Black and Zelina Vega, that's why they went to Raw altogether. 
what, what you've just said there, like obviously Bianca Belair got to SmackDown, like Montez Ford's probably going to have to go with her, as is Angelo Dawkins. So I think you might be right there, uh, Go. I think they're probably just going to switch uh, brands, uh, the champions from one brand to the other. It's just, it's a bit of a weird one altogether. I don't, I, I don't get it, even though, even the way it was like done on TV, so that like Raw picks the SmackDown tag team champions. Uh, the New Day, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods, and then you just had Woods just instantly from that point shouting, shout his name, shout his name, they had that awkward kind of bit from Stephanie going, oh, and SmackDown's next pick is the New Day's Big E. Like, well, I go fucking figure. Like, you've just, you've drafted two of them, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I didn't appreciate this personally. I think you were right in saying what you were saying there, that you don't need them to be in different brands for Big E to have that singles run, you know, it's, it's, it's time to have a singles run and they were getting it without the New Day. Obviously, they, when Kofi Kingston was able to have his singles run, they, they, had, they had the backing of Big E and Xavier during that time when you yeah. had that classic tag gauntlet match and whatnot. The stories you could build with three of them building up Big E to get to that point, and now it's just been taken under. The title seems like pulled under them, you know what I mean? It's, it's all done with them. I'm a bit, I'm a bit disappointed with it. But I, I want to go to... Oh, you go, sorry. I was just going to say one other prediction I'll make comes from the other tag team breakup. Otis uh, staying on SmackDown with Tucker going to Raw. Said in the conspiracy theory, I can't see Otis doing anything with Money in the Bank while Roman Reigns is champion on SmackDown. So be prepared for Monday night to see the Miz win the Money in the Bank briefcase from Otis. I think that's what's going to happen because Miz versus Drew is a feud I could see happening. Roman versus Otis is something I'd turn off the telly for. Yeah, actually, I would actually, uh, I'd rather see John Morrison face Drew McIntyre, like, let him be the one to be Mr. Money in the Bank. Well, uh, bear, with, bear, bear with me on this, because you remember who Drew McIntyre defeated to win his first singles championship in WWE? TLC 2009, no. it was John Morrison for the Intercontinental Championship. There's history there between Drew... Dave, 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 you, you forget WWE's crap. But storytelling, they can't, they can't <laughs> think that far back to make it all make sense. And that's why we ran on social media because it reminds them uh, that we're not idiots. We actually know the story of you know certain superstars, and they even included it on Drew's WWE 24 feature. Like, if, I know, but they you do said know about this. But the WWE think we can't even remember that they put out the rules for the draft the day before the bloody draft. Because they kept changing the rules. Like I said, the only rule that never changed is the rule that the Miz must get drafted. Because every year he changes shows. Uh, the pots changed. Um, they didn't, you know, they didn't tell us in advance that they were going to continue the supplementary draft on to Talking Smack. Yeah. Uh, the way they did as well. I think this year we just really missed the authority figures because, like that bit about the new day breaking up, mm. if there had been authority figures competing but having to do some horse trading, then the new day of getting broke up, there could have been a wee bit of, you know, sense amongst it. I've had to sacrifice Big E or, or, or Kofi and Xavier, depending on your point of view, to get this other bit through. Mm. But they yeah. never really told us that. Um, actually, going into this one, I didn't expect the whole draft. Uh, so the draft included the whole roster. I thought it was going to be, you know, a limited number of picks. I didn't think everybody would be up for for grabs this year round as well. Um, and there was just something about the presentation the guys were talking about as well. It was really, for me, it was a wee bit underwhelming. Like Stephanie appeared every so often with a card with the names and just read them out. It was kind of missing a bit of drama and suspense. Aye. I missed the war room. 
That's that nice. was the one thing about last year I liked was uh, that those stupid war rooms uh, for the USA Network and Fox, and you kept cutting back, and there were stupid people in the rooms like <laughs> shouting at each other on the whiteboard and all that. Like that made it everybody's on the phone, like, like trying to, yes. which is obviously pre-taped, and it's just so ridiculously dramatized and staged that it's not even funny. It brings that sports element to it. You know, it brings that sports element. I do have to agree with what Gary's saying about the New Day breakup and it being a wasted opportunity the way it was presented. Like, you can bear with me with this analogy, but I watched this show called The Movie Trivia Schmodown and they have factions in a draft at the start of each year. So there was this beloved team in it called the Wildberries and they'd come out and they'd drink from like a, a beer pong and all that all the time. And everyone's like, Wildberries, and they were shit in movie trivia, but it didn't matter because we loved them. So someone picked one member of the Wildberries and this heel manager, Shannon Barney, went up after it and she just looks at the crowd and she's like, fuck you all, I'm going to pick the other guy for that team. And the heat she got in that room was nuclear. Like everyone was like booing and shouting Wildberries. Can I add something like that with the nudie? Can you imagine a heel manager coming out and... and just like screw all of you I don't care about Kofi don't care about Xavier I'm picking Biggie on his own like the room would have went mental mental and you've missed that opportunity by not having a 40 figures or any sort of system like that there absolutely 100%. Mm-hmm. I think that there's there's one that I want to talk about this maybe quite not not controversial but the the situations around the superstars being quite controversial since the WWE cuts at the beginning of the coronavirus lockdown, that's AJ Styles. Mm. Obviously, him and the OC were drafted as a round one pick last year in 2019, and they were doing fine and raw, they were doing bits, and they were all involved in the programme of The Undertaker, even though Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson weren't part of the, like, they weren't officially scheduled in a match against them, they appeared, so you could argue that they got their appearance from a main event in WrestleMania. Not so long later, they got released unbeknownst to Styles, unbeknownst to anyone, pretty much they were gone and it was revealed that Paul Heyman had a kind of word in Paul Heyman, eh, Paul Heyman had a word in Vincent Man's ear to let these two go because they didn't have much for him and from that point Styles had a fallout and got moved to SmackDown because of that. Obviously he became Intercontinental Champion, had this kind of wee run there. I, Roman Reigns comes back with his heel character, Paul Heyman's is like uh, associate now pretty much and from that AJ Styles moved back to Raw this is a rather weird one because AJ Styles wasn't even on Smackdown he just did some sort of video message saying that he was angry that he wasn't a brown one pick clearly there's a lot of backstage politics when it comes to the draft as well Gary isn't there especially with this kind of pick yeah there is indeed there's lots of different things uh, to think about there I mean when you think about it it's, you know a lot of the first round drafts just cemented people where they were with the exception of Seth Rollins and it was a, almost like the exchange you got there was Seth went to Smackdown and in return Raw got AJ now one has been booked better than the other but they're two incredible talents and equal could, I, I think they are of equal weighting uh, along the way, so that was that was essentially the trade-off we got there. Was because uh, we went, went through the list of the twenty-five people that moved shows. I think ten of them um, were sh- changes of shows along the way. So really, that was you know Seth and AJ was the trade we seen in those first first bits there. And I'm hoping this will push. I would like to see AJ back in the top tier. AJ and Drew could have a good feud. Um, yeah along the way um, so we'll look forward to you know, what's to come but yeah again you know AJ's 
bounced about. He got drafted last year. He went back part of the way through it. The WWE need to find some of their magic again with AJ Styles. I think it's an interesting, interesting one with AJ as well, considering this whole fiasco, what's going to happen with their Twitch eh, contracts and whatnot. The WWE want to take part of that. And AJ's been pretty vocal how he's felt regarding Paul Heyman, even regarding himself at wrestling. That he's kind of more open to retirement now. David, I can I can see him being even more open to retirement come uh, the other end of his contract. It's one of those ones with uh, AJ that we always knew this run was going to end. AJ Styles was a man we didn't expect to even see in WWE. You know, he was a TNA lifer through and through. He was a New Japan legend. You know, he was the king of the indie scene for a very, very long time. And we've gotten a very good run out of AJ and WWE, two-time WWE champion uh, within the company, held in high regard by Vince. But the more that happens, the more that things go wrong for him. I think you are right, Jack. I think the end is nigh uh, for seeing AJ Styles in WWE. And I do want to go back to what Gary said before that happens. I would like to see him have a, a feud with Drew McIntyre because the story with Drew and Randy has been fairly good. But it's run its course and it hasn't given us the highest match quality that I feel Drew is capable of. If you pair Drew with AJ Styles, that's high match quality. That will, that could cement Drew's reign. That could save Drew's reign because I think it has been a bit lacklustre. I think he's been a good champion. I just think the reign itself and the story has been a bit lacklustre. So I'm hoping that before AJ does decide to call it a day, if he is widened down, that he can get some magic out of Drew McIntyre as WWE Champion and give us those classic matches that we can look back on and say, yeah, that was a good run. I'd love for that to happen as well, to be fair. But uh, Dave, we'll come to you for our kind of final bit of us talking about night one with uh, you, Dave. <laughs> We're talking about night one of the draft. And it's something that we alluded to before, what Gary said with Seth Rollins being the first major trade from Raw to SmackDown. And what we saw follow that as well, when we saw Ray and Dominic Mysterio being traded to SmackDown. And then we saw Murphy on Talking Smack getting traded from Raw to SmackDown, which, by the way, I'm fine with that, but how dare, how dare WWE draft Umberto Carrillo before Murphy? Absolute joke. Yeah, as a shambles. But I mean, it was, I don't think it was any secret that Seth Rollins was going to be drafted to SmackDown because there was heavily heavy rumours and have people heavily talking that he was going to make the jump to SmackDown, given that he's been so prominent on Raw ever since like 2016. Uh, and he, I think this would be a good shakeup for Seth. I mean, I thought, at first I thought this was going to be a good shakeup for Seth. You know, it's a new path for him on SmackDown. But then I see Ray and Dominic go over and there's like, oh God, it's not, it's this, this, this damn feud with the Rollins and Mysterios is going to continue. And then just to swiftly kick us in the nuts even further, they send Murphy over for good measure. Just when you thought, you know, Rollins and Murphy were finished with each other. It's like, this, is, uh, this along with the, the New Day splitting up is probably one of the most frustrating moments of this, uh, of this draft because the Rollins Mysterio angle has kind of ran its course a bit. I mean, I get they're teasing a new twist with like, Aaliyah and Murphy in that set, but they can, they can sort of do their own thing. You know, let Seth Rollins go off and do his own thing. You know, th th this could have been a chance, you know, to solidify Murphy as a as a star on his own without you know Seth like leeching over him and stuff so I, I think this was a very very poor decision just essentially taking the entire feud and just moving over to Smackdown absolutely that's one of the great things the draft can do is it can just 
you'll take one person away and it leaves all that baggage in one place but in this instance they've moved that full quartet over to over to Smackdown which kind of doesn't make sense for me but we said already long-term planning is not always one of WWE's forte and we've seen that uh, play out with this this draft for the various reasons they mentioned. Bianca Belair we've mentioned a couple of times already she's another one they've done nothing with her since Wrestlemania really uh, we started getting uh, promo packages for her coming back to Raw and if she gets drafted to Smackdown just don't bother with the promo pieces and sm- draft her to Smackdown as a surprise totally I did actually I said both those things on the con- uh, conspiracy theory I was like oh they're built, definitely was building up Murphy to, to be the focal point of this feud now and get Seth over to Smackdown nope that didn't happen because fucked up the beat and then also like I said the same thing as Gary there's no way that Bianca Belair is going to smack down it'd make no sense to have these pro packages on Raw and lo and behold Bianca Belair ends up on Smackdown it's just a bit of a joke it makes, sorry to talk over you David, it makes absolutely no sense as far as I'm concerned for Naomi to be a number 8 draft pick when she's really done nothing and you've got Mickey James who's apparently a uh, undrafted free agent now so that we God rest our soul Aye, Naomi's talented, no doubt about it but she's done nothing really since she dropped the title after WrestleMania 33 Yeah, exactly uh, the biggest travesty from my point of view is the tag team of Angie and Aaliyah uh, were both undrafted. Um, so what does this mean? <laughs> we actually don't know where they're going to end up. Angie could be, I think Angie could be an NXT Women's Champion. You know, with the, with the right training, <laughs> you know, with the right management, Angie could be a star that the Mysterio family needs. She's not allowed to speak, is she? She really does need a manager. Retribution. That's where they're putting all the. Uh, <laughs> that's where they're putting everybody else. You know, give her a new name. <laughs> just imagine Retrib- Angie. Everyone else in their mask, and Angie just looks uncomfortable in the sight of her dress. She might turn out to be the leader of Retribution. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's, it's funny you speak about Retribution because it's like it's led on perfectly to how we're going to speculate what happens in night two of the draft as. That this feature show is coming out on the Monday instead of the Tuesday, so we can fit some sort of speculation in and don't look like absolute tits when it gets released and we get it all wrong. But uh, why in the hell would anyone want to draft Retribution? Why would Retribution be in the draft pool? They're supposed to cause anarchy and not follow any rules, but now they've got a contract, they've got to be drafted, and they'll be, off, uh, I assume, being good little boys, and if they get drafted to SmackDown, they'll just go. It makes no sense either why you would want to draft Retribution. Why would you want to draft the stable who have openly said I'm going to come and ruin your show if they're not like undrafted it makes no kayfabe sense <laughs> and that's the thing there's, there's five of them as well like that's going to be the biggest trade off uh, like in the entire history of the draft like the heart business is four people right I thought you know Rob's getting a bit greedy getting four people at once but if anything this says to me Rick Retribution is going to go to Smackdown now just to offset the numbers when it comes to you know the, the amount of people that Raw's been drafting but yeah. it's it's just absolute it's an absolute mess with the way they're placing Retribution firstly they know they could appear anywhere then all of a sudden they're exclusive to Raw like which makes no sense because they weren't even like signed like in kayfabe yeah. terms by that point and now all of a sudden you're, you're shifting them over to Smackdown well, at the moment, SmackDown's got 11 wrestlers. <laughs> yeah, they need to put the numbers up a bit, get Mustafa Ali back over to, to SmackDown, and then he can 
uh, you know, maybe cause some anarchy there. Maybe somebody will draft Slapjack separately. <laughs> I think you've been looking at Slapjack as the yeah. start. But that's the thing. See about drafting separately numbers and stuff like that. You'd be thinking, oh, we'll draft tag teams because the, the tag team roster looks uh, it looks thin. I'm looking at two tag teams here and I think I'm looking at them and I'm like, these guys are getting split up. And WWE have no reason for it other than just for shits and giggles. And I'm talking about Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode and Cesaro and Shinsuke yeah. Nakamura are two teams that are definitely no surviving this draft. Well, when you look... When you look at the, the draft pool, the tag teams fall under as the Street Profits, Dolph and, uh, and Rude, Cesaro and Nakamura, Retribution and the Riot Squad. I mean, there's not, there's not, there's not scream depth there, does it? Oh, no. <laughs> but even, like, I'd say bring tag teams up from NXT. Who? Like, who? <laughs> Fucking Brizango? <laughs> you know, they're their champions, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, I'm just like... Imperium? Oh, Dave. Dave. Get away yourself, man. Get away Dave, Dave, I've had porridge more exciting than Imperium. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's like they don't scream main event act to me. And that, oh. it's a, a dire time for the tag team scene right now. So there like, is a, there is a reason I forgot about the Forgotten Sons, Snake. Oh, yeah, I forgot. They're, are they even available? They're not available now. No, they're not. Ah, well then. (laughs) Even WWE's forgotten about them now. Uh, Ever since that tweet went out from Jackson Riker, wasn't it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing. Like, I I think we will get some surprises. Like, there's three focal points in the draft that I'd be looking at, and I'd be looking at Dabakato, I'd be looking at Lars Sullivan, and I'd be looking at Anturo Ruas as well. They're three names that are very interesting in this draft pool because Sullivan just came back in SmackDown. We don't know where he'll end up. That, that's a big monster heel. See the trend here, guys. Dabakato, big guy, only seen in Raw Underground, haven't really seen in ring. Aye. There's a big monster mm-hmm. heel. Oh, and there's Untrue Ruas from NXT. Uh, he's not actually appeared that much, but like he's a big judo fighter. He's got a big, bushy beard, really good depth in that big, bushy beard. He could be a really good uh, addition to any brand as well. But those are three that I would say are exciting draft picks and would count as surprises. And I say surprises as if they haven't already released the bloody draft pool for us to see in advance. But, uh, yeah. I think, I think see in- with this. Oh, sorry, Gary, on you go. I was just going to say, I think there's more interest in the women's division for this draft pool because you've got mm-hmm. Bailey, Carmela, Charlotte, Alexa Bliss, Selena Vega, uh, Peyton Royce but I don't think Billy Kay is listed in the draft pool but I presume yeah, she, she, she is she has added to it now there was, yeah, wasn't on the one I see so there's more I think it's quite interesting here what what you what happens here because at the moment uh, all we've got is um, Asuka Naomi Bianca Belair Naya and Shayna Mandy Rose and of course Dana Brooke been drafted so far, so you know I think there's quite a bit of interest there because Bailey, to me, which should be a first round draft pick this time round. Um, yeah. Presumes she'll be think staying in SmackDown. When we were you were talking about the women going over, this is something that I've I've said in Saturday Draft Live a couple of times. I think the kind of the big switch that will happen for this show is Alexa Bliss and Bray Wyatt being drafted to Raw. Mm-hmm. I think that's an absolute certainty now with Seth Rollins going to SmackDown. I feel that Raw needs that kind of another big person and they need someone fresh for the women's division on Raw as well. And I think Alexa Bliss, considering this revitalisation side of her character, is exactly what the Raw women's division needs. Mm. 
I, I, too, I would agree with that. I also think Carmela, despite the presence of the video booking packages on SmackDown, will also end up going to Monday Night Raw as well uh, to sort of counteract that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they need, to, they need to have some star presence uh, for the women's division on SmackDown too, because at the moment, aside from Sasha and Bailey, the SmackDown women's roster is, is pretty thin. Like, Naomi's now on Raw. I mean, all you've really got left is Lacey Evans, Nikki Cross, and Tamina. Like, and I know she's not she's not been active uh, for quite a while now, but get Charlotte Flair back over to SmackDown. That would give it some much-needed revitalization. Like, I was going to bring that up there, Dave, because Charlotte is actually in the draft pool for the second night. Obviously, she was out for some time when she was getting her surgery of what she was needing done, uh, and she'd been put back in this draft pool. And obviously, uh, something that we've drawn to a lot on many, on many different shows of Ryan Gallagher drafting Charlotte Flair and his uh, draft team of our fantasy draft we do here. Maybe it will start to prove dividends now that she's in this draft pool. But Charlotte Flair, it's just a weird one. It just kind of came out of the blue, as as David said, that the pool's being released. Maybe it took the surprise factor of that being released. But uh, Charlotte Flair's one I can definitely see going to SmackDown. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, but if that's the case, then that means Andrade's going to go over as well. I can see um, that happening. I, I could easily see that happening because Andrade, like, I think Gary made the point with Ricochet earlier, one of these wrestlers that does need a new lick of pain, does need a new scene to to get involved in and I think Andrade if he's going to have a fresh start uh, in his vagueless life uh, for lack of a better term he needs a different brand he needs a, di- a different bit of scenery and let's like I said earlier Andrade's best work in the main roster was when he was on Smackdown so I wouldn't be averse to that I would begin to get a bit worried about Andrade I think he's heading into last chance saloon here he's got to make this uh, make this work I mean yeah. it makes sense too because uh, apparently he and Angel Garza are no longer tag team together and Angel Garza has obviously been drafted to Raw on his own so I mean it all sort of starts to fall into place now knowing that you know tag teams have broken up before the draft uh, we're predicting Charlotte's going to go to Smackdown and then by default Andrade goes as well if Zelina Vega is uh, going to stay on Raw then that means Alistair Black's going to stay there as well because obviously those two are married Mm. Aye, it's a, uh, it's it's one of the, it's just one of the weird ones again. It's just the kind of the the politics that can be involved with it as well to keep the kind of the the couples together and whatnot. But I do think that I, I agree with what you were saying, Gary. There's a last chance alone for Andrade. I feel as if they're getting firmly behind Angel Garza. It's kind of being the the next kind of big thing for them in regards to that. It's uh, I don't know. I think it's just it's just pretty telling when a lot of the stuff involving their feud had Angel Garza being more prominent in the backstage segment, especially with the the Bachelorette girl that was involved in all that. And oh no, it's just a it's just a rather a rather weird one. But uh, David Campbell, we'll come back to you again. Do you have any other kind of shocking predictions of what might happen in this second night of the draft? Or Jamie kind of covered it all pretty much? Before I get into any shocking predictions, something I know is going to happen is Natalia will go in the second and third round because WWE cannot get their fucking hands out of her arse because of her fucking heritage. Um, even though she's no network, watches Natalia. No one has phoned WWE from Fox and said, by the way, we want Natalia on our brand. Can guarantee you that is not a conversation that's happened. What I'll be interested uh, to see what happens with is Braun Strowman. It looks as though he'll be going to Raw because he appeared on their Raw underground quite frequently. 
he's got this. I think SmackDown next week will be like the last chance of brands mingling and sort of uh, finishing off business uh, before they change about. So he's got that Universal title match against Roman. Strowman eats a clean win there, possibly with interference from Keith Lee, um, and then goes over to Raw, finished off with the Universal uh, title thing, and then that's where you'll see him going to a feud with Keith Lee, I think. Can I uh, counteract that proposal? I think actually Braun Strowman's going to SmackDown. I mean, why else would they advertise the Universal title match? And do you know, and then there was one name you mentioned earlier, Goat, as well Dabakato. Because Braun Strowman on Raw Underground was the one that ended Dabakato's reign yeah. on Raw Underground. So if they're going to end up drafting Dabakato, you know, get him on SmackDown too. And then they can have, you know, like an on screen, like legitimate in ring feud with each other. And I think that's what's going to happen with the title match, you know. Bronze could be on the verge of winning, but then Dabakito causes a DQ, and then that sets up a feud for them. Because the Roman J Uso feud, you know, everything's pretty much in place with them, you know, with their Hell in a Cell, I quit stipulation going ahead. But they need another big feud to go ahead. And I think Braun Strowman and Dabakato, that isn't on Raw Underground, I think that that'd be a uh, a fresh spark. I, dis- I disagree with you, Dave. We know there's going to be Raw superstars in SmackDown next week anyway. Kofi Kingston and Woods are already there. And they wouldn't have had a draw with Keith Lee and Braun Strowman in that exhibition match if they didn't plan on continuing that feud going forward. Dab- Dabakate was not enough of a big name for Strowman uh, to be feuding with. Strowman's beyond that. Strowman is beyond Dabakato. Uh, Strowman and Lee on Raw will be the feud going forward, I think. Yeah. If you've been having that feud, Dave, on SmackDown of Dabakato and Ron Strowman, there's no winners coming out of that on SmackDown, <laughs> you know what I mean? What the fuck's Dabakato going to do after that and what, what's Ron Strowman going to do? You know what I mean? That's, yeah, I'm sorry, Dave, stupid. You were stupid there. I'm, 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 no, there's no <laughs> hey, two hey, ways about it. Don't call me stupid, I was just throwing it out there. Like, it's, <laughs> I can actually see WWE doing it because obviously, as is evident with our discussion today, is they obviously think we, the audience, are stupid. Oh, I've been wrong before, you know. I, I said John Moxley no. was still fucking WWE back in the day. Exclusive, exclusive. The goat just admitted that sometimes he's wrong. I think we're going to see. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Keith Lee as a first round draft pick. Uh, he'll certainly be high up the order just now. I'll be really interested to see what happens with Daniel Bryan in this, because um, it feels, you know, you know, when Bryan came back, who would have thought a year after his return? We'd either been getting booed at the buildings, and then a year after that, he is firmly in the mid card, and he is too talented to be wasted in the way that I, I think he's been wasted. He should he should be further up the card and in that main event picture. So I'll be really interested to see what happens with Daniel Bryan. I can see him going to Raw. He's one of the few people that's you know he's been SmackDown now since. 2016 hasn't he yeah. yeah so he's not changed I firmly also firmly expect Sami Zayn to stay where he is and for then because then the United States Championship has already been drafted to Raw with um, with Bobby Lashley so they don't need the Intercontinental Championship there so I can see see that staying where it is as well he's with Brian though Gary do you not think that's due to his choice a wee bit like obviously he wants to step away starting the family he's also uh, as we've been led to believe on the Smackdown writing team so I don't know if Brian himself will want obviously the decision is ultimately WWE's but Brian seems comfortable and they're always in right now 
I really hope he is comfortable because uh, and he gets to write his his ending um, because we've seen the tormented soul of the Undertaker in the last stride which we obviously yeah. documented in, uh, on the show before um, about him looking for that perfect ending now I would like to see Daniel Bryan get one more one more solid run and then yeah finish up because he should finish off in a high and not finish in the, sort of, in the mid card and then transition out on his own terms just now so I can see he's certainly got the, especially hopefully if he's had a, a good break as well come back and have enough in the tank for for a good run but there are some interesting people in amongst this I mean there's some there's some dross in this pool that some, somebody's going to get stuck with King Corbin <laughs> along the way and Titus is in there um, but there's some interesting names amongst there, like Kevin Owens. He's another one that falls into the misrule. He seems to always get drafted one way yeah. or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Riddle, um, I, I think, is um, falls into the category of people that were called up with no real plan behind them mm. as well. And controversy. Uh, did you see Seth Rollins came out after the draft on Friday and said he has no intention of working <laughs> with Matt Riddle at any point in his career so he can go for to Raw for all he cares was the, the exact direct quote so I think the controversy surrounding Matt Riddle hasn't helped his call up there it's, like, it's real life heat I believe so a year ago they both named each other in like respective like different interviews that they both wanted to face each other at some point and obviously something clearly has happened there where like Seth Rollins has even just came out on camera and says I do not want to work with this person I think it's the the sexual assault allegations to be honest with you I think, no, I, think I, heard that's there was, I heard there were stories that Riddle's wife apparently insulted Becky and oh. had a, a bit of a falling out because of that wouldn't surprise me either way would not surprise me either way but I think before we wrap up the show I will just go through some of the fan suggestions and some of our team suggestions being brought in for their favourite moments of the draft uh, our YouTube producer maestro Daniel Campbell uh, the, the brains behind Quiz Showdowns came in saying that Triple H's tantrum at the 2004 draft upon being drafted to SmackDown was one of his favourite moments. The same can be said for Undertaker's response in 2002 being picked for Raw. Their moments they were both actually flipped the shit in the room there and they got drafted and just weren't happy. I feel like both of them were absolutely fantastic picks for Daniel. Thank you. Uh, Scott McLeod said he thinks Todd was trying to make up for the lack of emotion. He showed him Gishwin came back when Todd Grisham announced Kane as a draft pick in 2009. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to try and do the high pitch voice because I don't want to embarrass myself. But if any of you want to try and do it, Kane! <laughs> you could easily do the Christian one. Surely. It's Christian. It's Christian. It's Christian. <laughs> Dave Holmes uh, agrees with Daniel Campbell saying possibly Triple H to Smackdown even though it didn't happen it was an awesome it was an amazing episode on the episode of Raw and we've got our very own Quack of Adri saying Batista being drafted to Smackdown after JBL wins the Smackdown title agreeing with you there Dave Hockney yep well I must say boys I've had an absolutely lovely time here it's been good to be back in the feature show and I'm glad it's been a good panel we've had a good conversation it's been lovely but thank you all yeah, uh, you've been great Jack thank you very much for having us here and uh, in long may this continue <laughs> silly we'll need to do a special breaking news show when Tamina gets drafted as a first round pick oh, oh. oh. <laughs> of course <laughs> 
Can you oh, imagine? We can, spend yeah, a full, we, can, we can even just spend a full episode in itself. To me, I'd be in draft with a thinking, what history that would be. Mina profile show. That's the <laughs> next one we need to make happen. The Chronicles of Tamina. Yes, that'll be a three-parter. The Rock Gosh, it's looking the other top member of the Anawaii family. <laughs> the one that nobody talks about. <laughs> but, uh, I'll, uh, I'll just I'll thank my panel, Dave, thanks. You know, I speak to you every week on this podcast mm-hmm. talking about Saturday Draft Live. Thanks for coming on and doing this with myself. Uh, you're a regular on Central all the time as well, so you're a, you're a voice that can be heard across ESSR. Hey, I'm the, the workhorse of this podcast. You know, you ask me for a show, I'll, I'll show up and I'll give you the best damn content you can ask for. Workhorse, I have a bunch of free time. It's not me to decide what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, you know, thanks for thanks for appearing. I'm pretty sure you're still in the lobby for this Vistra Christmas episode that we all desperately need. It's coming. First part, Christmas Eve. Second part, Boxing Day. I'll freshen up everybody, make up, get everybody in fest. But, but, you know, 2020's been a rough year. The people need some good news. Something to cheer us up. Something to look forward to. It's like hanging out with David Campbell. Everybody wants, just wants a bit more of it. <laughs> well, you've got, I believe you've got four men here that are willing to back the, the Viscera Christmas set. It's spectacular. <laughs> David Campbell, thank you for appearing on such short notice. I'll end on a fun fact. Pro Wrestling Illustrated ranked to me on 19th in the top 50 female wrestlers in the year 2012. Just like Scott McLeod, she peaked far too early and I'm going to prove that. <laughs> this Sunday on the YouTube channel, at Quest Showdown 4, it goes Hollywood, baby. Oh, and my title isn't on the line because fuck Scott McLeod. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you to the listeners for listening. Uh, you only hear my voice for a half hour on a Saturday, but now you've probably got it for just over an hour. I've been Jack Graham, thank you very much, and I will see you on Saturday Draft Live, no doubt, or Central, whenever I decide to appear. Ta-da! There now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown. Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell and in this show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown.